When Moses had, oh, sorry, the scripture reading is from Exodus chapter 40, verses 33 through 38. When Moses had finished all the work, the cloud covered the meeting tent, and the Lord's glorious presence filled the dwelling. Moses couldn't enter the meeting tent because the cloud had settled on it. And the Lord's glorious presence filled the dwelling. Whenever the cloud rose from the dwelling, the Israelites would set out on their journeys. But if the cloud didn't rise, then they didn't set out until the day it rose. The Lord's cloud stayed over the dwelling during the day with lightning in it at night. Thank you. The Lord's cloud stayed over the dwelling during the day with lightning in it at night, clearly visible to the whole household of Israel at every stage of their journey. For the word in God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks, Joe. Well, I finally uh, listened to a few of you who had told me I had to go see Top Gun this week and uh, went and saw it on Friday night. And I may have cried a few times during the movie, which was a complete shock to me. I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, I just don't think I've been in a movie theater and seen a movie on a large screen for a very long time. Secondly, Dave Forder took me flying two weeks ago, and so I think I had a whole different appreciation for it. Not to mention, like, I I think I understood at least a quarter of what they were talking about when they were talking about aerodynamics, thanks to Dave's wonderful uh, tutorial that he gave me on our flight together. I think also I cried because we need heroes and mentors right now in our world. And I think because living and hoping in this world right now feels like you're flying through that very narrow canyon at a low altitude with missile launchers above you and the target sometimes feels very small and hard to hit. And the way out may be a climb that's too difficult to sustain. At the risk of being overly dramatic, which I am known to do occasionally, my job feels like this a bit right now. (laughs) Frederick Buechner said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. In last month's session meeting, as we were looking out on where we think God may be calling us, um, I gave them a little uh, pep talk mini sermon, which I don't always do before the meeting. And uh, this is basically some of what I said to them. And they said, we think you need to share this on a Sunday morning too. So here we are this morning. But as I, as I talk, I invite you to think about where does your 
soul rise up? Where does your deep gladness connect? Where are you curious? What frightens you? And also, where does the world's hunger touch your heart? To me, noticing deep gladness and deep hunger is the way of how we define what it means to follow God and discern where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do as we pay attention to those two things. Similar to what Karl Barth said when he said, you pray with the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. Holding those two things is what helps us move forward. My recent spiritual practice in the last few months has been a daily prayer app, um, which is based on the Church of England, the Book of Common Prayer um, prayers every day. And as someone who, who, who holds church every week, I really appreciate having someone else do it for me every day. And so I listen to the, days, the daily prayers, and I listen to the daily scriptures, and I don't know where they're recording, but it sounds like they're recording it in some, in my imagination, some beautiful cathedral in England. But the readings for, the daily readings for these last few months have been tracking the people of Israel's journey through the desert and into the promised land. And a few weeks ago, I was struck by this story that uh, Joe read this morning and this image um, of the people of Israel following the tabernacle. The tabernacle was like a tent, like a traveling sanctuary that they would travel with. And whenever, and there was a cloud that they would follow in the desert, and whenever the, the cloud went into the tabernacle, it was time for them to set up camp and stay where they are, were. And whenever the cloud went up, it was time for them to move on and move forward. So their eyes were always watching that cloud. Now the time in the cloud when they were camping was not unfruitful. It's where they established their practices of worship and they developed their codes of conduct. They did really good and deep work in the camp and when the cloud was down. But when the cloud lifted, they knew it was time to pull up camp and move somewhere new. I think of that time in the cloud as what a lot of writers call liminal space. Liminal space is the space in between, where you are not where you were, but you don't know where you are going or when it's going to be time to move forward. Thinking about liminal space, I think a cloud kind of came down on this church in 2014 when Mark and Cheryl Goodman Morris announced after 30 years of pastoring here that they were going to retire. And it's been eight years or so of liminal space of sorts. And I think that you all have stewarded that space really well. Writer Susan Beaumont says, a liminal organization needs to unlearn old behaviors, challenge the status quo, experiment, take risks, and learn. And we've done a lot of that in the last eight years. When Mark and Cheryl announced and their retirement and then left, uh, thanks to Mary Jo, we established the Spiritual Catalyst Program 
where we had a variety of speakers in this interim time between pastors who came and talked about this is what church could be. Pastors, activists, spiritual directors, writers, different and diverse voices from a variety of perspectives inviting you, inviting us to imagine how we could meet the world, stoking our longing and a sense that, that there, this place still has somewhere to go and something to do. During that interim period, you wrote a mission study, which is what the Presbyterian Church makes you do before you get a new pastor to say, this is where we want to go and this is where we think we're headed. And there were two things that came out of that mission study. One, to attract younger families, and two, to increase diversity. And then you hired me five years ago, and um, I'd say I'm probably not your typical Presbyterian pastor. You can listen to my sermon last week if you want to know more about that. But, you know, I deeply care about the church and believe in its possibilities, but I'm also a little suspicious of institutional religion, and I prefer to be a little bit more scrappy, and I've got kind of a restlessness to me, so that was an interesting choice. Since then, we've had four to five different working groups, at least two retreats, at least three consultants. We wrote a mission statement. We're a base camp building a more loving world. We established our values, which very quickly are slowing down, which felt like a really countercultural thing to say in the middle of the Silicon Valley. Focusing outward, supporting one another, connecting authentically, and seeking the sacred. And we identified what it meant to be touched by our church, that if you're here, we hope that you will deepen your understanding and connection to God, you'll have healthier and more loving relationships, You'll experience a deeper sense of connectedness across generations in this place. You will take more action to serve others. You will have a greater awareness of and compassion for the suffering of others and their family, the church, the community, and the world beyond. Lots of big words, lots of beautiful things that have been said, lots of charts and illustrations and budgets, trying to get a sense of what we're called to do and where we're asked to move, listening to the world's deep hunger, listening to our own deep gladness. And then, just as it felt like we're starting to get some momentum, March 2020, and the pandemic, and shifting yet again. Session is really the session which is our board, that's what we call it in Presbyterian language, has taken this really seriously. They've brought new voices to the table. They've been evaluating our, our processes. They've set out new goals for the year ahead that, that we will go deeper into serving families and kids in our community, that we want to increase your part, sense of participation in this place, that we want to establish partnerships like the one that we just uh, began with St. Mark AME Zion in East Palo Alto and looking at other people to partner with, that we also recognize this is a community that, that loves art and beauty and artists, and so how can we bring more of that kind of energy into this community and, and create space for the soul to rise up into the presence of God and be transformed? 
And we've had lots of yeses recently, amazing people who, who are excited to work here. We've are starting to rebuild our sta staff, and there is such a deep sense of anticipation and energy. I wish you could all feel what it feels like to be in the office on a Tuesday when everyone's in for staff meeting and people are collaborating and helping out and thinking about new ways of being. It's a really exciting time, and it's affirming this sense that we are not called to just, or not destined to follow the way of more graying congregations around us, that this place still has possibilities and a future that meets the world's deep hunger with our deep gladness. But also, it's safer in the cloud. <laughs> and with all the yeses and all the excitement, there are also lots of reasons to be cautious and reserved. Friend of mine who coaches CEOs yesterday says, have you seen the financial statements that CEOs are seeing around predictions about where things are going? I have seen some of that. And there are a lot of reasons why I wake up with a little pit in my stomach in the middle of the night. But can you imagine what it felt like to the people of Israel when the clouds started lifting? Start packing, throw some things out, get out your walking shoes, gather the children. How long will we have to walk this time? What's the weather going to be like? Do we have enough water? And the answer was usually no. They always ran out of water when they were walking in the desert. The cloud, though, seems to be lifting for us as well. And we're starting to see where the next steps of our journey together may be. Sometimes, some days, it feels like we can almost see all the way to the Jordan River and what the promised land looks like as our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. It's big and it's exciting, but it's also scary, and we won't get there without continued deep work and all of us coming to offer something. I want to just spend a little bit of time on the world's deep hunger as well this morning. Someone gave me tickets to go see uh, Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes speak in Redwood City this last week. She was not optimistic. <laughs> she was one of the first two, if you don't know, if one of the first two reporters in the room when the Watergate Hotel break-in first went to trial. It was her and Bob Woodward. And she covered it all the way through. She's had a front row seat to a lot of history. And she's, I think, over 80 at this point, so, you know, she's coming in with a certain perspective, but she has good reasons to not be optimistic about our world right now with the war in Ukraine, distrust and division in our country, the breakdown in our democratic processes, generation of kids who missed two years of socialization, the overwhelming mental health crisis in our society, just in May, there was a headline in the New York Times saying that teens in distress are swamping pediatricians. 20 years ago, 1% of pediatricians' patients were mental health issues. Now it's 50%. We're all aware of the gun violence in our country, which I just see as acts of desperation and disconnection. The rising inflation, environmental disasters, and these problems are crossing socioeconomic lines. They're just as real 
in some ways here in Portola Valley as they are in other places in our area. And it's easy to despair for ourselves, for our planet, for the future of our children. I think this is one of those times that you read about in history books, a time where courage matters. We can't just keep doing things the way we've always done them. And I believe that surely a community of faith that is built around the unconditional love of Jesus Christ has something to say and do to address this deep hunger. Our mission statement, our values, our vision, our conversations, the unfolding of resources and people in the last eight years, all of it says that we want to do that. We feel called and compelled to keep moving forward. So the leadership of the church, the staff, and the session really do sense that this is a time to be brave and bold, to say that what we do here in this church in the Redwoods matters and will continue to matter, that it's going to require all of us to put our heart and soul into it and to ask ourselves if we're really willing to risk. I think the cloud is lifting from this liminal space and it's time for us to start moving. And I don't think it's unrealistic. It's actually responsible, given the deep hunger of our world. And it's faithful, given the big God who calls us. For me, this isn't about building the institutional church. It's about building a more loving world where kids can thrive, where beauty is abundant, where community is catching, where people are being transformed and resourced to live in this world in the presence of Christ. We're not trying to be the next megachurch. We're just seeking to be faithful and responsive and believing that a community that is about the love of Jesus is good news for our neighbors and our world. So when I wake up in the morning with a little pit of fear in my stomach, I recognize that I fear more what will happen if we don't risk, if we don't start moving and trusting. None of us has what it takes. I don't have what it takes. But we do have each other. And we have a God who goes with us, giving us all we need to be faithful to our calling, to move us into a place where our deep gladness can meet the world's deep hunger. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning.